Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. You are live with us at Mav Sports Take, episode 48, your weekly podcast for sports, business, and a whole lot more covering the sporting world that you know it, and then the side of it that maybe you don't hear about too much. Ryan Roberts, of course, usually joined by my good friend David Turner, 18-year scouting vet across the NFL, CFL, and three straight arena league championships with the Arizona Rattlers. Fortunately, David cannot be with us. Hopefully, we're going to have him back next week. But I have a esteemed co-host to join me tonight, a good friend, defensive back specialist. I got Mr. Jeremiah Bogan, who is a defensive back at Limestone University. He is also a scouting assistant for the East-West Shrine Bowl, as well as co-host of uh, On Campus with JB and Skiggy on the Around the Block podcast network. Jeremiah, how are you, brother? Appreciate you hopping on with me tonight, man. How's it going? Man, I'm good. It's always good to talk ball with you, especially on a live setting. Love just getting to talk to you. We go way back, so it's always good to be here. We do, we do man. <laughs> we go back to the um, pro football ready days, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> it seems like so long ago. And uh, I'm, I'm excited that you were able to join us. Of course, like you said, we are live here on Twitter uh, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So if anybody has any live questions they want to throw into the chat, please feel free to do so. Jeremiah and I will be talking a lot of questions specific to defensive backs that we got from the Twitter uh, verse this uh, yesterday, actually, when I put out the questions. And then also, of course, we have two uh, fantastic interviews that I'm really excited to get to tonight. We're going to have on Mr. James Houston the fourth, who is a linebacker that was originally a part of the Florida Gator football team that Jeremiah is a fan of, so he knows very well. And he is transferring over to Jackson State. So we're going to talk a little bit of his time in the portal, decision to go to Jackson State. And then for the second interview this evening, we're also going to have the director of scouting and player personnel for the College Ground Showcase, which I do scout for, Mr. Mike Riddleman. And he is going to discuss the event and an inside look into the All-Star Circuit. Specifically, we're going to talk a lot about Hey, last year with COVID, a lot of the all-star games were ravished by the, um, you know, ravaged, I should say, not ravished, that is the wrong word, but they were ravaged by the events of the COVID-19 pandemic, student athletes getting an extra year of eligibility, a lot of guys went back to school, so we're going to talk about just the impact of that on this episode as well. Before we do, we want to let you know that we here at Maverick Sports Consulting would like to say to you that if you're a college looking to improve your recruiting department to maximize the transfer portal, high school recruiting, and junior college transfers to turn your program around quickly, David has 19 years of personnel experience and 10 years NFL experience managing college scouting departments 
as well as pro personnel departments. Mavericks is primed and ready to work with your existing staff and coaches to build you a recruiting department that will mirror your efforts in the coaching department. Let David and Maverick Sports Consulting assist you in building a championship team in 2021. Visit MaverickSportsConsulting.com for packages and info. So like I said, we had some topics that we wanted to run through. Uh, a lot of questions that we got. A lot of people really, um, you know, I love the interactive nature. And of course, I knew that since I had Jeremiah on and I tagged him in the tweet, that defensive back questions were on the horizon for us. And boy, were they so. Jeremiah, we're going to tackle a couple of these pretty quick here. Um, I'm actually going to go to our good friend Devin Jackson gave us a fun one, very 2022 NFL draft specific here, which is awesome for me because you when David's on here, he doesn't like talking 2022 NFL draft too often. So we're going to really day dive in here. Um, he's asking us a sleeper cornerback and safety for the 2022 NFL Draft. Jeremiah, I know you've probably even dug a lot deeper in the defensive back room than I have. You want to throw out a name first, then we'll go back and forth. We'd love to hear it. Would you like to go safety or corner first? Uh, you're a corner, so let's start safety, okay. and then we'll we'll backtrack. Safety. I hate to steal this one from you because oh, you no. actually, we'll you actually just, just recently watched him, but he was a guy – it's funny that you wrote about him because I studied him about a month and a half ago, I want to say. Uh, uh-huh. Jalen Petrie from, from Baylor, dude, is – He's legit, man. I, I love everything about his game. I think he's everything that the modern NFL has become for safety prospects. And the funny thing is about what he does at Baylor is they don't use him, his athleticism enough in deep zones. And he has he shows really good athleticism playing man-to-man. I'm excited to see him. You want to know what I wrote in my report for him? I would uh, love to hear it. I put Jamal Adams with, ball, with uh, man coverage abilities or coverage wow. abil- abilities, period. That's what I, that's what I gave him. So I would love to, to hash out him a little bit because I was very interested about Petrie because honestly, the four two five right that Baylor runs actually a lot of they run a lot of like three three five at some points right because they're yeah. playing a lot of odd man fronts, but so in that defense they're going to use this guy as a you know you can call him a nickel you can call him an overhang whatever you want to call him he is he is the, he is strong side of the field. He's basically a strong safety that's going to play that overhang position between the tackle and who, if it's a if it's a number two receiver, right, or maybe number three, depending on what we're looking at, uh, twins or trips or deuce or whatever. So Petrie is always in that spot, which I have a tough time with sometimes, and I'll be very honest about this. I've talked about this a bunch. That position in the NFL for these glorified safety linebacker hybrids doesn't exist. They take those guys out of the game. They put more athletic nickels in. So sometimes I don't think it's the most translatable position. That's what, like, I love Jeremiah Wusukoromoa as an athlete. I was worried about the transition a little bit because, like, what spot does he fit into? Because he's not going to play that overhang unless you're playing against a bunch of 12 personnel where you're going to keep that big nickel in the game. He's not going to play that a ton because it's just the nature of the, of the situation in the NFL right now is that we have two linebackers on the field, and then we have five defensive backs. Like that is what is happening nowadays. So I watched Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard, by the way, linebacker who I absolutely love. But Petrie speaking. So I'm like, okay, what is his impact in pass? Because I see, you know, against screens, the dude is a dog, right? Like they're like, why would you ever throw a screen at Jalen Petrie? I personally wouldn't. Like he's ferocious. He plays, he hits all those traditional things. He, hair on fire. 
plays physically. It's all great stuff, man. Working from depth, he is a good tackler in the open field. Like, I am good with all that stuff. My question is, what's the impact at, in, against the pass? Because he's 5'11", 195 pounds, give or take a couple pounds. So he's not a guy that you're going to play in a traditional linebacker set very often, right? Like, that's not him. You can play him on the second level in some instances, but, like, he's never going to be a guy where he's going to be a true weak side linebacker playing pursuit. Like, that's not going to be his game. So the question is, can he be a safety? And I came away, and the two biggest things that I wrote was, I thought his zone instincts were fantastic. I really did. I thought he had pretty loose hips, all that good stuff. I agree that I think that he can play some man coverage. But for me, I was really taken off guard with how how just fluid and how versatile he was in the sense of like he saw things so well developing in front of him where I think that he could be a guy that could play too high a ton. He's never going to be a single high free safety, but the guy that I wrote down, Jeremiah, for the the comp was Chuck Clark. He reminds me a ton of Chuck Clark for Baltimore because when Chuck Clark was at Virginia Tech, he did a lot of the same things, man. He was playing Rover a ton at Virginia Tech, and I think that also he, he wrapped up the tackles at Virginia Tech, but you didn't know what he was really working from depth. I think this is the same type of type of scenario here. I think that personally, Jalen Petrie is a prototype, too high, strong safety that you're going to want to roll him down more often than not. Like you don't want to get caught where like you're rolling the other way and then he has to play single high a ton. Like he can be passable at times in that role. But for me, too high, strong safety, I gave him a late third round grade. I was a fan of him. Okay. I, I loved everything about his game. Like you said, when you have a guy with – I'm always going to fall in love with guys who have instincts, guys who just know where they're supposed to go, where they're supposed to be. Even And they just can do things that you can't coach at the end of the day. And when I first saw him, I heard that he's an overhang guy and they played in the box. Like, there's no way he can cover. Start seeing, <laughs> a move, start seeing him move around a little bit in coverage, playing against tight end. I said, wait, he might have – I think this guy has some pretty good hips. And then you're like, why do they always play him in the box, strictly in the box? Similar to the way that West Virginia played Tyke Smith last year. I mean, dude played no kind of uh, deep zones or anything. He strictly played in the box, pretty much like a Mike linebacker at times is what he was playing. So he's features a guy I love so much. I think he's a – I gave him a second-round grade with the possibility of sliding into the late first just because he fits so much in the modern NFL. He kind of helps you. He can change a lot of things for your defense. I think that goes a long way. Oh, so you're like high, high on him. You're not, you're not like kind of high. You're high on my man. Versus, it's one thing to be versatile. It's one thing to be versatile and be a playmaker. Like being able to make plays and take the ball away, that's a premium. I think I think the one really good thing too, and, and coming from the scouting world, obviously we both scout for different all-star games that can't be undersell. And some people are gonna roll their eyes and be like, who cares? I think the dude is a dynamic special teams player. So like we talk about yep. the ceiling versus floor thing. Like Flores, this dude's going to be on a roster every single year because the dude plays with his hair on fire. I I really do like Jalen Petrie a ton. I really do, man. He is a good football player to say the least. I know that we talked a little bit. I actually texted you, I think, about this guy. I'm trying to find my list. Actually, no, no, no. Are we staying with safety? You want to stay with safety? We can stay with safety. Do whatever you need to do. I mean, I'm I'm just thinking, man, because there's a couple corners that were very intriguing to me. I have three from the same conference. You have three from the same conference. From the same conference. 
You want to throw somebody else at me real quick, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go back to back on mine. Let me hear one. On the safety or the corner one? Either one. Your pick. You're the guest. Uh, we'll go with the easiest one from the Big Ten. Uh, Avery Young, obviously, been about three months. Oh, I've been love Avery Young, man. You love him. And raving about this guy. I have the same vibes that I got from him that I got from J.C. Horn last April when I watched Horn and thought he was corner two. Obviously, you went corner one on him early, so you were even higher. But that's how I felt about Avery Young. First, I watched him. I was like, why, is, why am I watching a guy who's strictly playing the slot at 6'1"? Does he play any outside corner at all? But then he's playing the nickel, did a great job in the nickel. Next thing you know, he moves outside in the Ohio State game, played some press. I was thoroughly impressed with his eyes. He just knows exactly where to be at all times. Really good athlete. He played a, He played more outside in the Maryland game, too, I believe. Showed some really good work in press coverage, able to stay square, use his length. I said, wow, this, this looks like a first-round corner to me. Hopefully – Plays more outside uh, next year for Rutgers, but he's got he's got some instincts, man-to-man skills, sticky, extremely smart, and he tackles, which is huge. Tackles like he's a safety, so he's a guy I love. Yeah, see, he was a weird guy for me. I I I, I and I will fully admit I need to do more work on Avery Young because I actually I I watched um, both the linebackers Fadakasi and I was a Tyshawn Fogg fan last year, and I know we talked a little bit. <laughs> about Bo Melton as well, who um, is a guy that I definitely want to touch on at some point when we talk wide receiver. So I definitely get it with Young. I mean, I, I think the verified measurables are right around six foot one, 205 pounds. Like you, you mentioned JC, like that's JC to a T, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I loved the fact about JC was the fact that when he was a true freshman, they were like, you're too good to, to not play. And even though you're not going to start an outside corner, so we threw you into the nickel. And I think that helped him a ton down the road to be able to be that guy that could just go with the wide receiver, right? Like Devontae Adams lines up outside. Go ahead, JC. Lines up inside in the slot. Go ahead, JC. Like it doesn't matter. There's a switch wherever. Like so many different things that I think that that brings to you. I want to see more of Avery Young. I want to see more. It's a similar vibe to a degree, and I agree with this. I'm not nearly as high on Avery Young as I was on JC, but I think that Avery Young is a candidate where – the minute that he nabs an interception or two, because I think he only had one last year, maybe yeah. none. So I think he's a guy that a lot of people are going to be a little hesitant on because they just need to see the ball production. Cause that's, that's, how, that's how it was with JC too. Remember it was zero interceptions heading into the year for JC. I definitely agree on that. I'm, I'm just, there's something I want a little more from Avery. I actually, I don't know if you agree with this. I think he has good feet. I think he's quick in the transition. I don't know if he has long speed. I'm a little hesitant on if he has long speed or not. JC, Mm -hmm. I never got those vibes because, I mean, JC even told me, right? He was like, dude, no one ever got on top of me at the SEC level. Like, people didn't think he was fast for some reason. They're like, show me the tape where someone got on top of me. I'm like, yeah, true. I never saw you got beat deep once. So, yeah, that makes sense. So, we'll see about Avery, man. We'll see about Avery. I know we're going to welcome James Houston into the show in just a second. One guy I wanted to touch on real briefly, Rashad Wisdom. We talked about him, all right? We have talked about him, my guy from UTSA. So this is the guy where we talked about, hey, Jalen Petrie could be the guy where rolling down, maybe rolls up sometimes. I think Rashad Wisdom is the guy that doesn't matter which way he has to roll. I don't know if I would say that this kid is the premier center fielder, right? Like, I don't think that's ever going to be his role, to be very honest. But what I think that he does do 
exceptionally well is that he does a little bit of everything so well. And he's about 5'9", 5'10", 205 pounds. So, like, he's not a huge guy. But this dude plays with some extremely bad intentions. And then when he was a freshman at UTSA, he was, again, so good. They're like, you're going to play nickel, right? He was going to play nickel. He went into fall camp. He thought he was still going to be the full-time nickel the whole time. Like, he thought. And then they were like, actually, we need you to play. We need you to play back there a little bit. And he did some stuff, man. Playing the post um, was one of the, the – I think North Texas where he was – you know, it was like double post, and then they were trying to sneak the inside vertical down the seam, right, to make that that, that single high safety guess wrong, right? Like they were trying to make him – they were trying to play off of him. And he played this post so well. And I'm now thinking I think he could do that. I think he could do that pretty well, and I think that he could do that consistently. And I think that he's a guy that can roll down. I think that he can place a man to man. I think he can do a little bit of everything. 95 tackles, four interceptions as only a true sophomore – Talk to him a little bit about like, hey, where do you see yourself? And he just named me all these versatile defensive backs where I'm like, I get it now, man. I see it 100%. So Rashad Wisdom's a dude that I am super excited about UTSA. Only a true junior this year, so more than likely is going to be a 2023 kid. But I think that he is exceptionally talented. I was a big fan of the UTSA kid. And they have two corners, Jeremiah. I don't know if you saw these kids. They have this this Tariq Woolen kid. Who is six foot five at one oh, corner? Yeah, and then they had the Texas A and M kid, the the transfer that played nickel at like six four that yeah. transferred over. So they're gonna have six five, six four, and then Rashad Wisdom in the back. I'm like, that's fun, man. I don't know if it's good, <laughs> but it's certainly fun. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Tariq Woolen's like six five, two ten, former wide receiver. Now now playing corner. I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> We'll see. I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work either personally, but I, I, guess, I guess you just have to see how it works out. I don't know, man. So want to rip now welcome into the show Mr. James Houston. James Houston, the fourth. James, former Florida Gator linebacker, now Jackson State football player. James, appreciate you, man. How's everything been going, brother? I'm doing good, sir. How you doing? Good, man. Good. I'm happy to have you on the show here on Mav Sports Take. I know that it's probably insanely busy. <laughs> you know, your major decision. I hit you up. I'm sure you're, you're if you're not on campus yet at Jackson State, I'm sure you're itching to get there. So I kind of really want to take it, take the uh, the viewers through a little bit of a ride here, James. And I know that I, when I looked at in preparation for the interview, right, I looked at Hey, let's. I want to look at his recruiting profile. I want to go back to where he came from and really dig a little deeper. And I saw that you were obviously a three-star kid, highly recruited. I think you played for Pat Sertan Sr. Um, while in high school. And I'm looking at schools like Auburn, Wisconsin, Arkansas, Cal, LSU, Florida State, Miami, obviously Florida, among others. And obviously, you gave you gave the commitment and you played your career here to, for the Florida Gators. So I want to take us through a little bit. Give me the give me the scoop on the recruiting back in the day and why staying at Florida, staying in the home state was the best spot for you. Yeah, so uh, coming up, in, uh, so uh, coming up in uh, my high school days, uh, playing for Coach Patrick Tan at American Heritage, uh, extremely talented school in, in South Florida, uh, with many NFL players that I've been on the same team with. Uh, I started playing football at really varsity level at junior year. And uh, that's when the offer started to come in uh, around the late season, around late in the season. 
And uh, Wisconsin was my first. Um, my old coach, Coach Rump, was uh, the coach at UM. And uh, I eventually got an offer there. I was about my fifth offer. And, um, you know, staying in the state, it was just really, really important to me. I always kind of knew I was going to either be at UM, UF, or uh, FSU. Um, but uh, I always did like Wisconsin. It was a very good option for me. But uh, it was really Coach Randy Shannon, man. Uh, he was a great recruiter down there in uh, South Florida. Uh, he has some really nice roots. Uh, coaching at Miami, uh, all the great talented linebackers that he's coached down there. And um, it was it was almost like a Miami away from Miami, you know what I'm saying? And, and it just felt like a, a perfect decision. Uh, UF, Gators, great history and tradition, you know. And, and it was uh, I felt like it was a great decision when I uh, initially. Uh, was going to high school, and uh, I played my four years there, and it's been great. And I had a great experience there. Yeah, James, I need to ask you, man, because I want to talk about high school football in Florida for a second, right? Because I'm I'm up here in New Jersey, which is a pretty solid secondary state, right? Like we know there's the Texases, the Californias, the Floridas. Every time I got a Texas or a California guy, they say they're the best high school football in, in, in the land. Florida, what, what do you have to say, man? Florida's the best, right? Ask me. Yeah, I think we all know that. I think we all know South Florida is just it's very rich in uh, young, talented players down there that play football. Football is like a religion down there. So uh, I can't see nobody really competing with just South Florida. You know what I'm saying? Not even the whole state of Florida. Just South Florida, there's not too many people, that, not too many states that can compete with us. Yeah, so like, Texas, Cali, I don't know about that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, James, obviously, you just decided to make the big move, transferring to Jackson State. Uh, we talked about your recruitment a little. What went into, for you, you decided to choose Jackson State after we talked about all the offers you had coming to high school. What made you go to Jackson State as opposed to looking back over all those schools that were recruiting you out of high school, trying to go to another big power five. Just what went to your decision to land where you are now? Man, I love Jackson State, man. Jackson State was the best spot for me. I promise you that. Uh, it's the HBCU, uh, rich in tradition. Um, my family have all gone to HBCUs and thrived, and they told me it's been the best year or two that they've taken in their life. And so uh, I decided to do it. I've had, I got other places to go to. And uh, I, I came here and I wanted to be part of this rich tradition and start something new. You know, I think we're really on a historic season this year. And I think we could really make, make some, some noise and, and, you know, surprise some people and really get people to come and realize what HBCUs can do. So. James, I know, I know. So our usual, my usual co-host, David Turner, is a former NFL scout, Pat was for a long time, and he does a lot of work with HBCUs. He actually, they actually held a combine for a lot of the players this past draft cycle to try to get extra looks because you know it's it's been a crazy couple years with COVID, right? Like it, it was something that you know kind of just ravaged everybody and, and made a lot of things difficult, especially for draft prospects. Talking about the HBCU thing because you just mentioned that a little bit. You know, obviously the historical context of Jackson State and the Walter Paytons of the world and some of the great football players that we have seen come through not only college football, but the NFL for you, when you kind of sat back and thought about that angle a little bit, right? The historical context, was that something that you knew a ton about or was it something like, Hey, when I talked to Jackson State, when I visited, 
they sold me on how important this was and how rich this tradition is. So it was actually a little bit of both. So, I mean, like I told you before, my family have all attended HBCUs. My mother mm-hmm. attended Clark Atlanta for her master's and so did my father. My grandmother is, uh, she, uh, I'm sorry. My late grandmother has uh, attended Clark Atlanta as well. So is, uh, my father has attended Xavier, Xavier University. So it's just, I, I kind of already knew about it. Uh, I've been in games like the Classic. Um, and really, uh, my friend that I really met, my dear friend, Nick Smith, that I met in UF, uh, he wasn't blessed enough to play this game anymore, but he was one of the best players I've probably ever seen on the field at UF. And uh, he probably only played a year. Unfortunately, he can't play anymore. He had to medically retire because he's bad. But, um, I mean, he told me a lot about Jackson State because his father, Fernando Smith, attended uh, Jackson State. And uh, he was all world there. And uh, he, he got drafted and went to the league. and had a great promising career. And so, uh, I mean, I kind of knew about it. He's, he told me a lot about it, just about his father. And so I was blessed to have that connection. And then coming here, I took a, I took a, a visit to, to Jackson State. And uh, it was great. I loved it. It was, it was almost perfect, you know what I'm saying? And and I visited other places, you know, and it, it gave me a little, it gave me that feeling, you know. When I was here, I felt at home, and I just felt like the coaches were very genuine and just really want the best for their players. And um, I felt like it was just the right decision, it was the right move. And I mean, I feel, I feel like it was going to work out for me. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I'm excited because obviously everybody wants to talk about, hey, Deion Sanders is building down there is going to be a special thing, obviously. Right. And I know that everyone always says coming out of high school, they're like, you know, decide on a school, not a coaching staff and all that type of stuff. But like, let's be honest about it, man, like relationship building. Right. Like like you mentioned Randy, Randy Shannon. Right. Like those guys are what sold the program to you and you developed a relationship with them. So in this, I would love the perspective here because. We're going to ask a little more specifically about the portal in a second, but like you're, everything's everything's escalated so much quicker, right? Like make a decision, get on all these visits, get make your decision quick because you're a guy that's been in this in college for four years. Like you don't want to waste any time, right? Like you want to find where you're playing football. So how important was that relationship building in such a short amount of time, and the relationship you're able to build with the coaching staff at Jackson State, and maybe more specifically Deion Sanders? Like how important was that for you in your decision? Right. So initially, I had other other offers and stuff like that, and other places to go to, Power Fives. And um, I mean, I, I had to build relationships with them and keep in contact with them. And I, I visited them all and, and wanted to see what they all offered for me. And um, I, I visited with Jackson State. And um, that, like I told you, I, I fell in love, man. It was just, it felt right. It just felt like the right people that can elevate me and take me to the level that I need to go to. You know, even though it's an HBCU and people might look at it some sort of way, it's football, baby. And, and Deion Sanders and Primetime, you right here, we under the lights. And we got some real dudes on our defense and on our offense, man. So y'all going to see y'all going to see this year. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited just to, to get out there and play football again, man, and play with my, my teammates, my new teammates. You know, it's, it's refreshing. 
And that, again, fresh new linebacker for Jackson State, James Houston, the fourth. James, I'm excited for Jeremiah's next question for you because he was a guy that actually experienced the transfer process a little bit this offseason. So, Jeremiah, hit him with some transfer stuff, man. Uh, first of all, you talked about the talent that's in the Jackson State room. Like, Deion Sanders has worked the transfer portal. He's worked that transfer portal, and I think it's been a great thing for college football because, you know, as we say, as, you know, as college football players ourselves, we – one day it could be a practice. The next day our coach could be taking a higher job and no one gets mad at them. Uh, but when we want to transfer, it's something wrong with the kid. We're immature. We're a generation of quitters, everything, yada, yada, yada. So for you, what has the transfer portal been like? What was the experience for you? And what do you think of it? How do you think it's helped college football? And where do you see it just going? Uh, for me, as a grad transfer, I feel like it was straight business. And that's how I kind of went into it with my head. And so um, I really just had to sit down and figure out what programs really would be the best for me. Uh, do I need to, to go back to a program that may not be molding me into the right player that I need to be? Or do I need to, you know, go to a place where can mold me and can take me to that next level, you know? So uh, it was pretty simple for me. It was pretty simple. Um, I did my homework on all the schools. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's always going to be that thing, though. Why is a kid leaving? this and that and, and coaches don't always you know stick up for you so it's always it could be a little rough but it all works out uh if you yeah. play ball you gonna end up getting looked at so i mean it's 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 good and evil to it but uh i think i think it's important to have it just just for the kids to be able to you know get get out of the programs that are feeding them you know what i'm saying really giving into them you know so because yeah. you can you can definitely agree with this. You know, you go through the recruiting process in high school. Schools are going to tell you everything you want to hear throughout throughout all that, yada, yada. But then they're going to tell you, yeah, you have to compete. And you understand that. You fall in love in your visits. But at the end of the day, a visit is nothing. It's just a visit. Yeah. So when you get up to school, it may not be the experience that you think it is. And believe it or not, if you're at a place where you don't really feel like you can be yourself and everything, that's going to affect how you play. So sometimes guys just need that change of scenery. In your case, you did everything that you're supposed to do at Florida. You got your degree. It's time for you to move on. You have that choice. You have that luxury. You did what you were supposed to do when you were there. Mm-hmm. So, hey, I'm all for it, being able to have guys in the transfer portal. So, Yeah, man, absolutely. And I, that's what I was about to say, Jeremiah, is the fact of, like, James, when you when you committed, you said, like, I am going to play football and I'm going to get my degree here. You did both things. You are free to explore your options, obviously, whatever is best for you. And kind of the last thing I wanted to ask you before we let you go, we thank you so much for all the time you've given us is, I mentioned in the beginning, I don't know if you've been on campus yet for good, if you're working out with the team. So what's the timetable of getting to campus if you haven't already? And just hit us with some expectations for this year. Like what is going to end your career on the right foot? You know, so I'm here now. I've been working out with the team. Uh, It's been exciting. I've been here for about a week. Um, like I told you, I, I love my teammates. I really feel like we got a lot of talent here. Uh, I really feel like we can take it far and just have a really historic season here at Jackson State. We're building something really special, and uh, Tom's doing all the right things, you know, to, to, to make sure that he's building that brand and, and, and making sure that we get that light that we deserve. So I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here to stay. I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> so, yeah. Love it, man. I love it. And NFL draft background here, so I'm sure we'll be talking again in the near future after your dominant season for Jackson State, man. James Houston, the fourth. Appreciate you, brother. This was fantastic after your dominant season.
for Jackson State, man. James Houston, the fourth. Appreciate yeah, you, appreciate brother. This was fantastic. You. Just getting a little background on you, team, man. man. We really appreciate yes, you taking some time All right, so James Houston, the fourth linebacker, grad transfer from the University of Florida, now playing his final year at Jackson State. I know he's going to be on some radars very soon, a highly recruited kid who was actually pretty productive, you know, in the lim in the opportunities he had at Florida. So I think he's a guy that some people are going to need to keep tabs on for sure in their NFL draft world. Excited to have on somebody that knows the NFL draft world very soon here, and Mike Riddleman, of course, who is – my boss. But before we get to Mike, because I know he's waiting so patiently behind behind the scenes, as the world starts to open back up and workers return to the office place, are you looking for how to improve team dynamics? Maverick Sports Consulting is here to help you welcome your employees back to the workplace with some team building exercises. We will bring your company back together in an energetic way, a way that will motivate them to work together in person again. We are excited to help you welcome back your company to the in-person work environment. Sign up today at mavericksportsconsulting.com. So again, like I was saying, we got to welcome Mr. Rut Mike Riddleman onto the show. He is Director of Scouting and Player Personnel for the College Gridiron Showcase, as well as an assistant coach for the Blackhawk Cougars. Fresh off of practice, if I do have that correct. Mike, how are you, my friend? My man, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, I'm right off of practice, so a great Wednesday practice, offensive practice, and uh, happy to be on, fellas. Oh, and we appreciate you having having you on, man. Fresh off of coaching some tight ends, Mike, take some time with us. Mike, I didn't ask Jeremiah this before before we started here, okay? So I got this jersey in the mail today. It's a fictional football player in jersey, okay? What does the name Latimer mean to you? Does it mean anything? Uh, the program. The program. Yes, you got it. Program. Jeremiah, you have no idea who the program is. You have zero idea what the program is. Man, man, that's 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 dating me some. I, I just turned 30 this Saturday. So I oh, mean, that was like a 90s movie. It's not dating us too much, man. The 90s was oh, not, man. I, not, 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 <laughs> 90s was only 10 years ago, right? So yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Holy cow. But, uh, hey, welcome to the show, Mike. Pow, right there, you're old. All right, uh, I think we're the same age, Mike. So if you're old, I'm old. So <laughs> Mike, of course, I kind of introduced you a little bit. College Gridiron Showcase, Director of Scouting and Player Personnel. So kind of getting on a more serious topic here. I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about your involvement with the game. So why don't you take us just through a little bit of how you first, you know, got introduced to the game, how you got involved into the position you are, and just highlight the College Gridiron Showcase and what it has kind of evolved into over the last couple of years. Absolutely. Uh, so my first introduction was in home oh in 2016. I want to say I was a, I was an intern, man. I was running around, uh, getting water, pushing carts, whatever, anything needed to be done, waking up at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning while in Texas and, you know, busting my butt. Uh, then I got to sit in on, you know, the coaches meetings and, uh, Jose, Jose Jefferson's one of the co-founders looks at me and he goes, you're going to keep time for practice. I'm like, all right, whatever. So, uh, he got me this egg timer and I had to hold this egg timer on the field and <laughs> say, all right, transition drills and all that. They call they call me egg boy or whatever, you know, and, uh, <laughs> that, that stuck, that stuck with me for about a year or two. And then, uh, just working my way up, 
uh, you know, I got to be in on the roster selection meetings during the off season. Uh, you know, I was a scouting assistant and worked my way up. And then I, you know, they gave me a nice title of, you know, director of scouting and player personnel, but you know, it's, it's a team effort. I like to say at CGS, uh, Ryan's a part of it now and Ryan does a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, Craig Red, who's the other co-founder and Jose, do uh have turned this thing for the past eight eight years into a phenomenal event um it's grown every each year uh well notoriety and uh, i've learned from them every single year just the game of football and the game of life i mean they're, they're two great mentors to me uh really taking me step by step and what you know what, how we put the, together this event, not just from a football perspective, but from a event perspective. And, you know, I, I couldn't be blessed and happy enough to be, you know, a part of this journey. And Mike, I, I know you mentioned that you obviously have worked your way up. I want to ask yeah. you, because you have the coaching backgrounds. I have a coaching yeah. background as well. Like I remember starting as a unpaid assistant coming right out of college and then kind of, you know, moving <laughs> up your coach. Oh, now I'm your position coach. Now you might be calling a defense on, on JV or <laughs> freshman football or whatever. How has that coaching background helped you in being able to escalate on that ladder? Cause I feel like some people now are a little impatient with that type of process. Oh man. Uh, it's helped me tremendously. Uh, seeing the game of football from it, it's, so different from when I was a player mm-hmm. to seeing it from now you got to see the whole field uh, play at Waynesburg University uh, started three years at the end. And then I had the opportunity to be uh, a grad assistant. You know, there wasn't like, it was just a paid assistant student assistant pretty much, but I was in grad school for a year and my D line coach, Alex Smith and my defensive coordinator, Scott Venick really took me under their wings and, and really showed me the game, how to be a coach Uh and then I've been coaching high school ball for about seven years now, learning the game from different vantage points. Uh, you know, the staff I'm on now, uh, you know, Zach Hayward's the head coach. Or we have a great uh, – two, two great offense coordinators in Dom Henderson, Jordan Lyles, and a great D.C. and Ryan Levenger. Uh, really, have, you know, the dynamic of our, our play calling has been tremendous uh, from that aspect and the staff that really grows. And I've, I've had a lot of mentors – growing up in, in in the coaching world. So I know I'm rambling on, but I mean, it's um, really, it's, it's, it's helped me tremendously from an evaluation standpoint, because, you know, I'm not looking at like this, I'm looking, I'm, I'm seeing everything now. And, um, you know, it, it's cool. It's cool because I, I, I get the best of both worlds. I actually get to coach a position group at CGS. I, I've coached the DNs uh, the past two years. So I, I got elevated to that. So it's, it's it's been awesome. I really can't. I, I'm like a kid in the candy store when I, I go down there because it's just football and, and around great people and learning. And the key thing is always learning. Yeah. And I have a question that is a, <laughs> uh, my question is, is a right and wrong. You answer, talked about you, know, you changing as a coach and everything, and how your perspective on the game has just evolved over time. But how has the game itself evolved over time, and how are you guys able to? navigate through the uncertainty with COVID last year. I had a buddy who actually played in the game last year, so I know. How he did? <laughs> oh, awesome. I, I hope he enjoyed his experience. Um, oh, nice, nice. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, obviously that, you guys get question. more talented. So, it's like the roster is more talented every single year from just like me keeping up with it a few years ago. So that's the biggest evolution I've noticed. But what have you noticed? Right. Yeah. Because what, 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 
Yeah, what was because Mike? What was it last year? We had, you had twelve players drafted in like seventy signed free agent contracts, right? Like obviously, yeah. So we had twelve, uh, I believe. Uh, the final total, and correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. Uh, Seventy-seven undrafted free agents. I, I believe we had seven or eight drafted in the CFL draft too. Nice. Uh, you know, we, we have a, a great connection with the CFL. Um, I, 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 we had a player drafted in the top three or four, I believe. And then wow. t- uh, two years ago, we had a player go number two overall nice. uh, in the CFL draft. So, you know, that's the cool thing about us. You know, we have we, we evaluate players from Canada, uh, Canadian guys who are playing in the States. You know, the CFL, it, it's a good pipeline as well. Um, we're starting to look into, you know, European players and whatnot. So, you know, the, the the going back to your question, Jeremiah, for the whole COVID thing was there wasn't a manual for it. Let's just say that. And I thought um, Jose and Craig really directed the event tremendously into uncharted waters. And what I mean by that, putting in safety protocols with the city of Fort Worth, um, really getting everyone together, you know, six feet apart, social distancing, mask, implementing masks. Um, really just, it was a group effort and, and I, I thought their leadership was key to guiding us and in, again, into uncharted waters. And it was interesting, but I'm glad, you know, everything turned out great. Uh, it was an opportunity for scout for teams and scouts to get out on the road for the first time, uh, for players, even though we weren't pads, but show their body types, how that their movement skills or ball skills, whether they're in, uh, a skill guy or whatnot, lineman, you know, uh, you know, moving around. So it, it was good. It was well, it was a great opportunity to see to how the work so on the fly you talked about and change just how here different everything was with COVID. Does that kind of go into changing what you guys are doing in the future as far as maybe you guys figured out, okay, maybe we should do a little bit more of this and a little less of this, or maybe we could do without this and without that. Has that kind of – because COVID kind of – kind of the same way COVID showed us that uh, meetings can be done through email, I mean, that kind of type of deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's a great question. Uh, I, I, we're we're going back to full pads. We're we're. I mean, we we missed the full pad aspect. So, uh, you know, I, I think the dynamic of it. You know, how we can adapt, how we can change if if needed. That showed us we could do it. But I think you know, seeing live action players go live action in pads. You know, that's that's a skill set we need we need to have and we're excited to have that coming back and i I think it speaks volumes for the growth of the game mike because we talked about last year right and i know it was tough situations for everyone but we had the nflpa bowl we had the east west game that both had to cancel go fully virtual Mm. because of just so many uncertain factors like they said things that they couldn't predict and i think it speaks volumes to the the event that you craig jose put on that you were able to yes. last in against what, what was so many obstacles. And I'm sure a lot of obstacles that popped up last minute because you're still <laughs> trying to figure it out. And I, I really want to applaud you guys kind of for that. And I, I want to get oh, in. Thank you. Uh, of course, man. And I know last year specifically, um, a couple guys just off the top of my head. I know Zach Davidson was down there, of course, who went in the fifth yeah. round by the minute. So like, I think Jason Pinnock was down there. Was he not? Yep. Defensive yep. back out of Pittsburgh, I think went in the fourth round. So a couple Highly drafted. Yeah, fourth or fifth, yeah. Yeah, so a couple highly drafted kids out of the CGS last year. My question is, just kind of looking at the full scope a little bit, you can go last year if you want, but like more wide scope, who are some of the more talented football players that you have seen come through CGS during your time? Oh, 
Man, uh, I, one that sticks out is Sebastian Joseph Day, who's now the starting nose tackle for the LA Rams. Uh, man, uh, just a well put defensive line, well put together defensive lineman. Uh, versatility, uh, playing up and down the up and down the front at Rutgers, um, and he's doing a phenomenal job uh, at with the Rams right now. Uh, and, and another one is Gunnar Olszewski, who's with the Patriots. Yeah. Um, coming out of Bemidji state and he was, I believe I, he was a safety coming out and he transitioned receiver with the Patriots. Don't quote me on that. I, I just going off memory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, man, this is, you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, so, uh, uh and there, there have been phenomenal players up and down at CGS. So I'm, I'm trying not to miss any, but like th- those are the two guys that stand out uh, in my mind. Um, you know, Gunner made uh, first team or second team NFL all punt returner. Yeah. If, if I'm not mistaken, uh, trying to think who else, man, you are, you are putting me on the spot. Yeah, man. I should have came through. Hey man, I, I, I put a couple good ones out there from last year. You gave us a couple good ones. I would say, <laughs> I'm very happy that you supplied the Patriots with their white slot receiver who can return punts. They oh, they need to have that guy, man. They need to have that guy. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of the Patriots, another good one who's now with the Dolphins, Adam Butler, defensive uh, tackle. That's a great one. Uh, He's a good player. Out of Vanderbilt, man. Uh, you know, came on as an undrafted free agent. I think he won two Super Bowls with them. One is a rotational guy, one is a starter. But uh, just uh, – Man, it, it was cool to see, watch him grow and develop, and great, great guy too. Um, you know, so a, a lot of talent, and, and for the players, I, I, I'm missing. I do apologize, but you know, there's a lot of talent there, and, and the big thing for us at CGS, we we just want to give an opportunity for for these kids to showcase their talents, and we smile. We have a big grin on Sundays when they're performing well. So it's just you know, we're just there to cheer them on and give them a platform. And, and again, when you put on a great event year after year, you're going to miss some guys because you're just like, there's too much talent coming through here, man. I just can't remember. All that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we, we've been lucky and blessed to have great people like yourself on, on staff and, you know, we have a great support support system of coaches. And, uh, you talk uh, again, about the, the growth of the game and Craig how and Jose. It's much been, better it's been it gets awesome each and every year. You guys are without COVID this, this year, no restrictions. Uh, Crossing our fingers that there's no no restrictions. Obviously, I'm sure you're excited about what's about to happen this <laughs> yeah. year. Just talk about the preparation that yeah. goes into putting on an All Star Game event, from the rosters, from the venue, just everything. Like, what's some of the most, yeah, some of the most important things? Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, from a roster standpoint, and Ryan can attest to this, we, we've been having our scouting meetings starting in July right now. Uh, we're hoping to have our board put together by beginning of August, middle. I mean, you know, fully, not a fully formed board, but like uh, something we can look at and say, okay, we can formulate this into the end of August and then have our watch list come out for both uh, big school, you know, D1 players and then have a small school watch list as well, giving, giving those guys some recognition. Um, you know, I to give you guys a little fee, uh, like insight on how the event works out. We have a two day event, a small school showcase where it's FCS D2, D3, NAIA players where they might not have a high draft grade or no draft grade at all, but they, they show those qualities of, you know, uh, the abilities to play at the next level. So we give them an opportunity. And the cool thing is we don't decide who moves up to our main four-day showcase. 
It's the NFL and CFL teams. And we go around, we say, listen, who stood out to you? Who do you want to see more of? I mean, so that's really, you know, it's taking it out of our hands and saying to these teams, who do you, who do you want to see more of? Who, who's stood out to you in, in that aspect? And so it's, you know, when you're bringing in 300, 400 players for a week, it's, it's, you have to be on your toes. You have to have, you know, the numbers crunch and everything on what the roster availability, roster spots for everything and making sure you're bringing in quality talent. So, you know, you can showcase the NFL and these NFL and CFL teams. So uh, from a venue perspective, Jose and Craig, you know, they do a great job, make sure the hotel's ready. Venue set up, you know, the speakers are set up, uh, you know, because we do do seminars with these athletes, you know, given the financial background, uh, Rod Newhouse, who's on our board of trustees, uh, for CGS, he's a former pro player personnel director. Now he's a financial wealth advisor. Really does a phenomenal job of speaking to these guys. Uh, what to expect, and also Craig Red too, who's a former agent. You know what to expect that first year in the NFL. Um, so we, we try to we try to give them all the information they need to succeed that first year in. I love it. Again, Mike Riddleman, the Director of Scouting and Player Personnel for the College Ground Showcase. Mike, we appreciate all the time tonight, man. I'm going to give you like 30 seconds here if you want to shout out some social media handles where people can follow your work, my friend. Yeah, so my Twitter handle is at M-R-I-T-T-9140. I know it's random, but, you know, it's just stuck with me for – all these years now. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook at, at Mike Riddleman. Um, easy, e- easy to find, uh, you know, always willing to talk ball, you know, talk about the event. Uh, love all the media outlets come down, you know, we're, we're media friendly at the event. We're going to have media, have a media day, um, you know, and then anyone interested in learning about more with it about coaching or the, the scouting aspect about it, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out to me or Jose or Craig. Um, you know, we, we, you know, we always looking for bringing good people on good quality people on. And, uh, you know, another thing is, uh, you know, I'm excited because all the all-star events are up and running. Jim Nagy does a tremendous job with the senior bowl. Eric Galco just came on with the Shrine bowl and he's killing it. He's doing a fantastic job. Uh, Dane Vandernet, uh, with the NFLPA and then, you know, and us. So, I mean, I I always said during the, the, the COVID last year, if all those four games are going at once, then it's more opportunities for these, for these athletes to play. And there are four great events and, you know, get an opportunity to be showcased. So uh, it's, it's, it's a great time to be in the football world right now. And I'm, I'm excited yeah. for CGS 2022. I'm excited as well. And I, that was one of the first things when I met with you and Jose is Jose kept reiterating, I want to help the kids. Mm-hmm. I want to help the kids. Give them the opportunity. So, Mike Riddleman, appreciate yeah. you, man. We'll have to have you back on maybe in the future here, brother, but I appreciate you taking some time with us. All right, awesome, man. Absolutely. You have a good night. Appreciate it so much. Hey, thanks, guys. I'll see you later. All right, so there we get a little bit of the all-star breakdown. You mentioned Eric Galco, of course, Jeremiah, now one of the scouting assistants for the Shrine game as well. So, good times to – be in the all-star circuit. I'm happy that all of them are up and running and got, you know, God willing, we're going to have that full all-star experience. Cause I know, especially going back to the 2020 NFL draft, I had so many players just, you know, last minute, like uh, trying to get a video out. There were pro day cancellations, all-star games. Yeah. Like if you didn't make an all-star game, you were SOL, right? So nice that players hopefully are going to have a full draft process this time around. Cause obviously last year with a couple of the games canceled, 
less opportunity. So happy that things seem to be heading in the right direction. Jeremiah, I know we wanted to go back to a little bit of our conversation. We've got about 10 minutes left in the pod. So you had said Avery Young, Jalen Petrie. I threw out Kusmadu from UTSA, Rashad Wisdom. So I'm going to throw a corner at you real quick. I know it's a guy that we, we talked about. We talked about. You didn't seem that excited about him as I was. But Noah Daniels, cornerback out of TCU. I think he's going to rise, man, because he's a guy that has just had so much bad luck with injury during his time at TCU. I think that so many are going to talk – so many people are going to talk about Hodges Tomlinson on the other side, who's a good football player. There's no doubt. I think – Maybe the best nickel in next year's class. Like, I know that some people are going to say he can play outside. He's 5'8", so we'll see about that. But um, either way, he's definitely a defensive back at the next level, probably a top three-round player. Like, he's a fantastic football player. I kept looking, though, on the other side in the couple games I watched with 21, this Noah Daniels kid. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, length, check. I thought he had really nice deep speed. I was like, and then I look at the track background. He's like a 10, 300 meter guy. I'm like, check flexibility. Yeah. I thought there were some missteps, you know, working out of the stem a little bit, but I think that he's got solid enough foot quickness. I think it's more of a technical issue than him just having tight hips or tight ankles. Like I think that he has that necessary requisite short area quickness. I just think that he needs to unlock it. And honestly, he's a guy that hasn't played a ton. So for me, it's a lot of that technical work until you have those live bullets. Like you can do a drill perfect in practice as much as you want, but until you see a guy on the other side of you with, with, you know, in the, in the big 12, that is, has some talented wide receivers every single year. until you see those live bullets and that live speed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We talked about him before. I, I, like I said, I did not, not like him. It was just when I, when I turned him on, I, when I was watching him, I was curious. I was like, what am I supposed to be seeing here? But like you said, you can see the recovery speed. But for me, it was why is he always playing a step behind and having yeah. to show that – like half – Because he's fast. And like, he's like, like for me, that recovery. scares me because just, you have a fast guy. But like, whenever I see guys getting their toes ran upon and not able to match receivers' tempos, I start to decide, okay, do they have a natural feel for the game? Because guys who have a natural feel – Going to be able to match tempos, and the crazy thing is, I thought he was really sticky at the top of routes. Like I thought he, I thought he attached with guys at the top of routes extremely well, especially yeah. for a guy as long as he is. He showed some pretty good short area quickness. So, like I do think he can be a, a riser. I actually had him. I graded him as a fourth, I think fourth or fifth round. But I did say I see him rising into a day two guy. So I do see what I do see what you see as a riser, and I see the Eric Stokes yeah. comparison a little bit too with his track background. So he is a guy. I think he probably will end up getting drafted higher than THT just because he has the length. He has the speed. He's going to check those boxes. And like you said, he has to play more football at the end of the day. But he wasn't – he didn't yeah. seem like a guy who couldn't read route concepts or anything like that for a guy who's played so little football. He's pretty confident. Just got to get a better feel for matching receivers because that's going to take a long way because you can't just go to the next level and just be fast. You know, we've seen guys like Trey Williams trying to do it and it just did not work out. <laughs> That's, that's a very solid point. I know uh, Jim Nagy, I think, did uh, kind of throw Noah out there a little bit the other day and said he could be a riser as well. So just throwing his name out there. And I think the one thing that I need to see improve besides just playing more football in general is I agree. Sticky at the top. But then I think that he is – I think that he knows he's fast and it's always been there. So when he gets into the trail, he's just like, you know, I can just kind of ease myself here, right? Like I have enough time to make up. And that's going to get you in trouble when you see guys like – DK Metcalf and Tyreek Hill and those types of dudes. Like, 
no matter how fast you are, DK Metcalf running He's four three and having six three stride <laughs> length, you're not catching that fella. You're right. He's gone. You got nothing there. And then I've obviously the cheat if the cheat never. is on top of you. I don't care how much recovery speed you have, you're never catching that guy. So. All right. So that was another couple of guys. Did you have another guy you throw out there real quick? Who do I, who do I, like, who do I like more? Okay. I'll, give, I'll, I'll give you the two names. I'll give you the two names. Know. There's a guy, by your... a kid by the name of Corey Trice from okay. Purdue. Okay. And then there's a kid by the name of Jamon Green from Michigan. I know Jamon Green. I actually have an interview set up with Jamon Green. I have no idea so who Trice, Trice is. has a little, little bit of Richard Sherman Trice. to him. I'm not going to lie. But he's – my notes were – I said ah. I'm not sure why people don't talk about him. Okay. He's been hitting at Purdue. Very good in press coverage. Patient with his feet. He's one of those longer guys who actually plays with his feet first and runs guys into his length at the line of scrimmage, which is what you like to see. And then he has ball skills, plus ball skills on top of that. He has really, he has really good awareness in zone coverage. It's like when I'm reading this too, you're like, wow, shows good zone eyes, reroutes and gains depth in cover two, leverages routes extremely well in cover three, shows some good ball skills, which is always a plus. He tackles. His biggest question is going to be his overall athleticism. He's not too limited to where he's scheme specific, but I do want to see more foot speed from him. And I, but I really did like his game a lot. Uh, I just want to see him answer some, some concerns. Oh, I, I know this yeah. kid. I know this guy. I just looked him up. Twenty three. I know him. I know him. I, I actually hit him up for an interview too he's, because I kind of flashed. I forgot yes. his name, but yes, he's, yes, six three two. He's healthy. Jeez, <laughs> he's got some. That's okay. He's got some ball plus, production. Plus too, ball skills, like, he's, he's got. got yes, he Richard Sherman too. I think he's actually more athletic yeah. than what Richard Sherman was. At, at whatever point in his career that he came out too. So it's you talk about plus ball skills, plus zone awareness, can come up and play press man. I gave him an early round I gave him around three grade off just watching him for two or three games and then I wow. said, could this be a day two, day one guy if he answers or could he be a round two, round one guy if he just answers the athleticism concerns? Like he didn't look slow by any means, but you could just tell he's not really a burner. Same thing I thought with uh Jamon Green yeah. from Michigan as well. Not a burner, but he's patient on yeah, he's long. Extremely, extremely patient at the line of scrimmage. Runs oh, guys yeah. into his length as well. Has good eyes from zone. Uh, just needs to work on some short area quickness things. But listen, Big Ten's hiding some corners, man. It's pretty crazy. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, where? Why is Big Ten? Have, and maybe the receivers are just bad in that conference. I don't know. <laughs> it could be. It could be. I mean, it could be, but they, yeah, I mean, you, you say that though, and Greg Newsom went in the first round last year. Michigan's usually got a guy. Western has, has another guy one. So like, Western has another State, one too, man. Cameron Mitchell. Oh. Oh, really? Stud. I know they have a safety, Brandon Joseph, who is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Really? Yeah, that's exactly what it seems Bates like. reincarnated, <laughs> dude. He is so good. Oh, my God. Dude, like. Playing single man, high is fantastic, <laughs> but then they throw him into the slot and, I love, and just let I him love play. Man, Bates I'm just like, dude, loved are you him. serious right Still now? Still loves him now. Uh, Messi was so good. Everybody got so, That's so fun. like, gun shy. Let's on him. Like, he's skinny. Okay. Okay. He's skinny. <laughs> he's away from the ball. He doesn't need to be huge. Exactly. No, absolutely. The way you described Trice, the name that came into my mind a little bit, just from the description, was St. Juice last year. That was kind of yeah. how I thought about St. Juice. Out of Minnesota a little bit, like length for days. What athlete is yeah. he? But he ended up being a fit. You, fantastic you throw those ball skills with okay. Trice, and it's like, ooh, Chuck, we you got something. Yes, yes. I mean, six three, two ten. Like you said, I feel like there are some, like 
<laughs> dog-sized defensive backs this year. Like you're talking about, like we didn't even talk about Kyle oh, Hamilton, Lord. obviously, and safety, obviously, because he's not a sleeper at all. But like, yeah, Isaiah Palomalo from USC, six four. Like, there's just oh, and there's this um kid. I don't know if you've seen this kid yet. He's probably more of a linebacker safety type. Like he might actually be a big. <laughs> I Sterling Weatherford, baby. Yeah, okay. Ohio. Sounds he's good, good, man. He's good. I liked him a ton. He's good. Like, I think he's going to be – he's going to end up being, like, first down. He's going to be the big Sam, right? Like, he's going to be – he's going to be that big nickel Do you know who you're reminding me of when I watched him? Linebacker the name? On, on <laughs> Adam Archuleta. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he actually, <laughs> what came to mind for me was Miles Killebrew when I watched him. I like it. I like it. I like it. Because I, I felt like – I mean, because I don't think that he's, like, the greatest athlete of all time. But, like, he was a little loose in that like It wasn't terrible. Like, it wasn't, like – it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't debilitating, you know? Like, it was it was solid. Yeah, he, he had a couple reps where, like, he was working in the slot and they ran, like, yeah. post wheel on him. And he ran with that wheel route and, t- and flipped his hips. Low game. He was, good, like, the, he was good in the right. curl flat, good in the hook curls. So, and that length – that length in the hook curl is exceptional where you can make quarterbacks have to throw it over top and give your safeties – some time to react to throws. He's that weapon against this heavy RPO stuff now, dude. Like he's that guy. Yeah. Trail that like robber. Like, yes, that's that guy for me. Like, I think that he is that dude. And then like on like when, when you're getting extra defensive backs on the field, he's your will linebacker. You only keep two linebackers on the field. Or if they're hey, if you're going to dime and you just want to throw one linebacker out there, why can't he be it? He's six four, two twenty. Like he's not a small dude by any by any imagination. So Sterling Weatherford, no. that's good. That's a good one. I want to get to these last couple questions because obviously I'm not going to have you off on too often. So let's get to Hussam's question. Shout out to Hussam, great guy, great friend of the show. Does a lot of stuff for us over at the Believe in NFL Draft Prospect Podcast as well. So shout out to Hussam. How can a defensive back train to get loose hips? Is it prevalent more in players that are better at man than zone? So you're a cornerback, so I'm going to let you go a little more in depth on this. I will say – no matter if you're playing man, zone, no matter if you're 6'3", 5'9", whatever, doesn't matter, you need loose hips, man. That's like the, one of the first things. You need to be oily, baby. You need to be able to open up whether you're playing, yeah. whether you're cover three exclusive, whether you're man exclusive, Absolutely. whether you're a cover two guy, like whatever. Quick twitch and loose hips are a necessity. So talk to me a little bit about, because you're a cornerback, training to get your hips a little more fluid, get a little more, you know, just um, what's range of motion when you're getting out of your breaks, like all that type of stuff. The biggest thing for a lot of guys, especially taller guys, you'd be surprised how many guys don't stretch. Like a lot of guys, a lot of guys don't do any kind of stretching. Another big thing would be plyometrics. Uh, One of the best ways that any DBs can train is the way that I train is training in the sand. Uh, training in the sand is going to make you have to really st- get out there. When you when you see guys make breaks, you want to see guys who can open up their hips and be able to take a step forward instead of stepping back under themselves when they come out of those breaks. Uh, it's kind of one of the things I talked to you about with Noah Daniels. Some guys, are they not fast with foot speed or are they, are they just not able to accelerate out of their hips? You got to be able to burst out of your hips so you can stay at, on top of the routes and not put you in those out-of-face positions. It's just one of those things where guys – it's one of those things guys have to really focus on because it's a minute yeah. detail that a lot of guys don't think about. A lot of guys just think about their footwork and different things of that nature. But stretching, uh, doing all kinds of plyometric work that's going to make yep, you explode out of the hips. I know a lot of guys – Training explosive movements is what's really going to help those like, at the end of the day. 
tr- uh, football players were track guys too. And that was like the biggest thing was like from a static or a dynamic, like you are stretching constantly and getting your limbs loose. Like those as a necessity. I like the sand work. I, I listened to your podcast where you were talking a little bit about mm-hmm. it, it was more specific on why you had to move out of a sand pit. But I, I did like the you know conversation obviously about training in the sand, I think is huge because yeah. a lot of tension there, right? And the ability to, to, I mean, you can't fall step in the sand. You're going to fall on your face. Like that's right. Absolutely. And that's the biggest, like making sure guys are taking that step out. Like if, when you're coming out of your hips, you really got to throw your whole body when you're going insane. It's going to make you throw your whole body, learn how to balance yourself. Train your momentum. Train yourself so to in your opinion, Jeremy, be able to actually say that, perform so fast movements with great balance. Just very struggles in the flexibility aspect, the loose hip. You know, if a guy is a little tight hip, do you feel like a guy can go from tight hip to very loose, or do you feel like there's kind of a ceiling on how lo- much looser a guy can get? If that makes sense. Right, to go from tight hip to oily hips is it's. I've seen maybe a couple guys do it, but you right. have to take a lot. You that's where it comes to knowing the mental side of a, a certain player. Like, what kind of like is this a guy who really <laughs> takes all this seriously? Like, is this a guy who's going to go do Pilates and yoga for a whole summer, or is he's going to be a guy who stretches? twice at two times out of the week and hopes hope his hips are a little better but you can definitely always improve hips i do believe that i don't think a yeah, guy is too tall or too tight to be able to improve it it's something that could definitely be improved people say like some guys like let's take a jalen ramsey for instance right like so i've seen some people call him tight i would like to just put this out there there's a difference between stride length and segmented mover. Okay. Can we, I just want to put it out there for anybody that is in the NFL draft world that does, <laughs> that wants to get into scouting or even is in scouting and just has struggles with this sometimes. A guy getting in and out of his, out of his pedal or in and out of his brakes, a guy that is taller, it's going to look a lot different than a guy that is five foot eight. Don't, don't, don't confuse the fact that it looks different. Mm-hmm with a guy has loose or tight hips. You can tell very quickly when Jalen Ramsey opens up, that dude covers a ton of ground. He's out of there, okay? So just because the guy's taller, I, I feel like that happens a lot too with like tight ends sometimes. Like a lot of guys I think f- felt like Mike Kosicki coming out of Penn State was like not very athletic, but it was just that he's got such long legs. It doesn't look natural, but like it just – I think people need to train their eye a little better for yeah. the size profiles of getting in and out of brakes, in and out of pedal, like all that type of stuff, turning and running. Like, just a quick note there. Last question of the night. I don't know how much work you have done on the edge group, which, of course, is four, three defensive ends, three, four outside linebackers, guys that are playing on ball on the edge of a defense. Asking, I guess this is assuming, this is from Brett, by the way. Shout out to Brett who asked. And I'm assuming that he is, you know, preemptive like Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon is edge one. Like, let's just assume that he's going there. He says, who's edge two? Do you have a guy? I have a guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, you have Carl Leftis and Drake Jackson from USC. Uh, I like both of those guys. Wow, but for me, a guy that recently popped okay. up for me in the last two weeks, Nick Benito. Really like Nick Benito a lot. I, I, 
I think the versatility is there. You know, I'm a huge versatility guy, but I also think he, he has an explosive first step off the edge. He's pretty good with his hands. Uh, seen him do some good uh, hand swipes. And I think that's yeah. one thing that comes really late for pass rushers coming out of college. They usually have no idea how to use his hands. I think he's really good at using his hands. He has, he needs to be able to convert speed to power. I would like to see him be able to do that, but he's, I like Caleb on chase on. I actually think he's better than what chase on was. I think he's going to be able to provide you more, uh, as far as pass rush so and I being able to cover. Benito so that'd be my late edge two I know he has a background of playing linebacker, and obviously they moved into an on-ball role. My question is, do you think he profiles more as like he is pass rushing the majority mm-hmm. of the time, or do you think he's more like 3-4 Sam where like he's going to play in space a little bit? Okay. He's probably going to play in space a little bit, but man, when you see that, when you see that first step, because at first I was like, I don't really see why he's like, lined up down here. Then he, I said, Oh, I get it now. This is what this step. is. I got you, dude. He's so he's tall. He's right around six foot five. He's got thirty three inch arms. I have not. I've told a lot about him. This spring only two twenty seven. So like my dude is sleek. He needs to add some weight. He's listed at like two fifty seven on the roster. He's like two twenty something in the spring. Oh my I don't know god, it just fluctuates. That is a crazy. Decrease though, I would have guessed he was like 240 because we know like he was no way he was 257, but like I would have said six four and a half, six five, two forty. But you know, I hope hope he gets closer to that (laughs) way because this first step is stupid, man. I'm like, some of these like these offensive tackles aren't even out of their stance, and sometimes people say that, and it's like very like. Uh, you're 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 you know you're over embellishing a little bit. Nope, nope. This guy it gets off that quick. So that's how Benito is. He hasn't even had to use power. Yeah, like just, I'm in the backfield. By the time you get, get into your stance, it's like, well, I'm just going to keep this is the ability going to by people. the outside track because I can put strength on you. I can teach you inside counters. But if you can't win outside, then you are a one trick power no- rusher, and sometimes that does not work. For my answer, though, Edge two, you mentioned him in your in uh, being in there. Carl Loftus from Purdue is. I actually interviewed him, and I had an article about him. So, quick side story mm-hmm. on him: he actually, so his, I think he came from a military family, but he was actually living in Greece for a large part of his life. Came to uh, Indiana, it, in uh, right by Purdue. Yeah. When he was in eighth grade. He hadn't played football. And apparently he was just like super uncoordinated at the point, but like he went into high school, eventually caught on, went to Purdue as like a high four star, bordering on five star <laughs> kid, and I mean seventeen and a half tackles for loss as a true freshman. And the thing that he told me was like he showed up at like two fifty five, two sixty. Before he knew it, he was two seventy five, two eighty because he didn't lift in high school. He didn't know how to lift. He was like, I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. So now my guy is a player who is. 6'4", 280 pounds. He reminds me a lot of, and this is going to be a throwback for a lot of people out there. Hopefully it's not because then that will show my age a little bit. But he reminds me a lot of Grant Grant Winstrom that used to play with the Rams who was, dude, big, big, big Nebraska defensive end who was like 6'4", 6'5", yeah. But like the thing well. about Carlos and <laughs> people are going to mistake because they're going to be like power, right? <laughs> he has power. There's no doubt about it. Like he's played anywhere – from five to seven to nine, yeah. like he lines up everywhere. Absolutely. This past year, 
They moved to a three-man front. He was actually playing like three, four defensive end. Now they're back to an uh, an even man front this year. So he's going to be more on as a traditional edge player. But the thing that really set stands out for him, you know, like power check, size check. He's got all those things. There's no question. Plays with a great motor, dominates the run game. His, I think he's a much better athlete than people give him credit for. I think he's going to be high four, six athlete at 280 pounds. Like my dude can run a little bit. And the best attribute is the thing that I kept writing plus is next to his closing burst for 280 pounds is ridiculous, man. Like he closes so much ground for a guy that big. So he is definitely my early favorite. I'm not quite like, I keep putting him in a mock drafts in like the top 20, uh, like 10 to 10 to 20 range. Like I'm not their top 10 core loftless. Cause I think there's, Guys like DeMarvin Leal, yeah. who's a defensive lineman from Texas A&M, who's low versatile. There's a lot of offensive linemen this year. There's good, you know, th- those are kind of the cornerbacks and safeties yeah. are fantastic this year. Like, if Kyle Hamilton gets out of the top ten, I will renounce my NFL draft them. I will never talk again because I still, I haven't seen a missed tackle of film from Kyle Hamilton. But all that to say, <laughs> I'm not quite top ten with Kyle Loftus this year uh, yet. But if he has another dominant season, if he you know does ten plus sacks and he you know takes his game up the next step, I could see that definite edge to conversation. Appreciate everybody out there in the Twitterverse, YouTube land, or Facebook Park. I don't know that submitted questions for this week. Really appreciate it. again, Ryan Roberts at Rise and Draft on Twitter. Wishing David Turner all the best. Hopefully he's back with us next week. Shout out to One Institution for a great platform that continues to provide us with a voice in the sporting world. And, of course, big shout out to Jeremiah Bogan at Bogan 5 Jeremiah, if you want to tease anything you working on, man, anything you want to throw out there real quick, I really did appreciate you having you on tonight, man. Uh, no, just thank you for having me on. Uh, obviously, hope you guys check out my podcast with uh, my buddy Scott Robinson Jr. on campus with JB and Skiggy or on the Around the Block Podcast Network. Have some really good guests. We've had some NFL guys, MLB guys, uh, just giving guys a pla- athletes a platform to tell their own story and give them their own little space to be who they are and build their own brand. Definitely so check you guys out check us out. Uh, give us a follow on, on campus underscore ATB on, on Twitter. Adams, they and made, that's uh, all. Major Leaguer on as well. Fantastic work Jeremiah puts out there. Make sure to follow him again at Bless Spoken 5. Appreciate everybody for taking some time with us tonight. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, rate, give us a five-star review. We really appreciate everybody so much. Thank you all. We hope everyone has a phenomenal week. listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick.sportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.